0: This is my story, this is my song. What a wonderful story, what a wonderful song. Our scripture lesson this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew. I'm going to read from the 16th chapter of the Gospel of Matthew, verses 13 through 20. Let's listen for God's word to us this morning. Now when Jesus came to the district of Caesarea Philippi, He turned to His disciples and asked, Who do people say that the son of man is his disciples said well some some say john the baptist others say elijah still others say jeremiah or one of the prophets and jesus said to them okay but who do you say that i am simon peter answered you are the christ the son of the living god Jesus answered him and said blessed are you Simon son of Jonah for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you but my father in heaven and I tell you you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. He then sternly ordered the disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Will you pray for the one who preaches for his sins or many. Let us pray. Holy and merciful God. Christ Jesus, Son of the living God, may something of what I'm about to say and do, or at least something of what is seen and heard of me, of us in this place, may it not be of me, may it not be of us, may it be only of you and your promises, O Christ Jesus, Son of the living God. May it be of the things you've done for us. May it be of the things you would have us do for you in our lives and in this your world. In your holy name we ask it. Amen. Who are you? Today's sermon is going to take place in three lessons. And for lesson one, I need a couple of volunteers. Now, I identified some volunteers before the service. If you were one of my identified volunteers, come up and line up in front of the communion table with me right up here. Thank you, guys. I appreciate you all being willing to be my volunteers this morning so that I can Uh, demonstrate something. So uh, if you've I'm sure you've had this experience, like maybe it's the first day of school, like tomorrow, or maybe it's your first day on a new job, or it's your first day serving on a committee of some kind that you've been invited to serve on. Maybe it's your first time coming to a Sunday school class here at church, or coming to youth group. Maybe it's your first time uh, serving on a committee here at the church, uh, and you walk in, and you look around, and you see some familiar faces, or maybe you see no familiar faces. At all, but at the very least, there are some faces that are there that are unfamiliar to you. You do not know them. So, the first thing that has to happen is introductions. Now, as a pastor, I have to do this all the time. I have to lead introductions in groups all the time. And one thing that I've discovered is that there is a bit of an art to introduction. So let me demonstrate. I've got these five people up here. Imagine that we're in some kind of committee meeting of some kind. And I say, everybody go around and tell us who you are. Say your name. Go. Hello, my name is Blair you can Chance. Ta- you could take the microphone and oh, pass okay, it down. There thanks. you go. Okay. Hello, my name is Blair Chance, and I am a no, huge no, no, Wolfpack no, no, fan. Nope, nope, no. oh, What's your God. name? Blair. Okay. I'm Elizabeth. Yep. Heather Foster. Zach. Clem Medley. So if you say, everybody go around and introduce yourselves, that's what people will do. Except for Blair, apparently. Blair wants to get ahead <laughs> of everybody. But that's what people will do. They'll just say their name, and then they'll pass it on. But the problem is, the problem is, if somebody says their name to you one time, there's only a 13% chance that you're going to remember their name. This statistically doesn't work right? Uh, So you got to do something more. What I found is there's got to be a little bit of an art to the introduction. So for example, what I would often do is I would say, everybody go around the room, introduce yourself, say how long you've been coming to church, and tell us something about your family. Go. Okay. Um, Hi, I'm Blair. I've been here since I think around 2015, and um, I'm an only child. Hi, I'm Elizabeth McGuire. I've been here about a year and a half, I think. Um, And I have three children, one of them I was pregnant with when I first came here. Hello, I'm Heather Foster, and we've been attending 20-plus years now. And I have two children, two girls. Hello, I'm Zachary Harper. I've been coming since about 1992, on and off. I have my lovely wife, Meredith, my son, Grayson, and then everybody knows Amy and Cecilia, and that is it. Uh, I'm Clem Medley. Um, Kathy and I are are beginning our 50th year, I think, of attending church. Um, We have two grown children. Uh, Our daughter and her family live in Alexandria, Virginia, and our son and his family live in Chapel Hill. Thank you, Clem. So, okay, everybody stay up here real quick. So, everybody, right, at first, when you saw these people come up here, if you didn't know them already, what you had was a face. Then we put a name to the face. But a name to the face doesn't help you really remember the name or the face. It's only once you attach a story to the name and to the face that you start to understand how to relate to the person, right? And then you can remember them. You remember Blair's name because you also remember that Blair is an only child, right? You can attach a story to the face and to the name. Give a round of applause, a thank you to our volunteers. Thank you for joining us. Y'all can go back and have a seat. All right. That is always very helpful, right? To have a story that you can attach to a name and a face when you're starting out some kind of group, some kind of committee, some kind of class, some kind of thing, because what that does is it gives you a point of reference and helps you to understand, A, how to relate to the person, but B, how you fit in with the entire group, because you start to understand things like, oh, Elizabeth is the pastor, so she's leading this group, and Clem has been with this company for 15 years, so he might know some things, but also... Uh, Zach is new, like me here, right? So you start to be able to kind of place things together given the group that you're in and as part of. So that's our first lesson for today. The first lesson to understand is that the stories that we attach to the people we meet matter. The stories that we attach to the people we meet matter. Matter because they frame how we relate to them and how we understand them. That's lesson one. Okay, now on to lesson two. In lesson two, I want to talk about this book. This is a book I read this summer. It is by a social critic whose name is Tara Isabella Burton, and it's called, the name of the book is Self-Made, Creating Our Identities from Da Vinci to the Kardashians. Okay, here's the central premise of the book. Uh, What Burton argues is that the foundational, distinctive mark of modernity, of modern life, is the belief that you get to make your own identity. You get to create who you are. We modern people uh, take this as obviously and fundamentally true how could anything else be true? Only you get to decide who you are. You have the power. You have the choice to invent and reinvent yourself over and over again, however you'd like, into anybody that you want to be. This seems obviously true to us, but it's not. It's not obviously true. In the pre-modern world, in the Middle Ages, in antiquity, this was not the case. Everyone was given an identity by the world around them the moment they were born. Almost everyone. Everyone was born into a proper place in society. So there were some people who were born as peasants and were destined to work the land, and then there were others who were born as lords whose families lorded over the land. There were some people who were slaves who could be bought and sold. There were other people who were slave owners who owned other people. If you were a woman in antiquity, it was thought that you belonged to your husband. And if you didn't have a husband yet, you belonged to your father. Or if your father or husband died, you belonged to your brother or to your uncle, but you were always the possession of the man in your life. Some people were commoners, and other people were highborn royals. And this is just how things were. You didn't get to choose what you were. You didn't get to to decide what you were. You just were what you were. You belonged where you belonged. Period. Period. And it was an incredibly rare thing for anybody to become something other than what they were born to be. This is true for most of human history up until, Tara Isabella Burton says, 500 years ago. You can mark the point when things started to change, when artists, Renaissance artists like Leonardo da Vinci, started to paint self-portraits. Self-portraits were not a thing that were commonly done before the Renaissance. You might paint yourself into the little corner of a painting, but a portrait of yourself, nobody did that to invent yourself. And then very soon after, in the 16th century, Martin Luther began to argue for the priesthood of all believers. Nobody needs a middleman between you and God. You get to build your faith yourself. And then in the 17th century, you started to, to find rags-to-riches stories of paupers clearly reinventing themselves as princes enter into the literary canon. And then the 18th century, you saw the advent of democracy and ideals like freedom of expression. Nobody can tell you what to say. Nobody can tell you what to write. And then in the 19th century, for the first time, a slave living in the American South could dream about escaping and becoming a freed man. And then in the 20th century, there was no more celebrated figure in American culture than the self-made man, which finally brings us to today. In the 21st century, we live in a social media age. And what's happening, whether we realize it or not, is all of us are constantly remaking ourselves. We are constantly reintroducing ourselves all the time to people, and we're constantly trying to craft our own story. On Facebook, on Instagram, the pictures and videos that we share with other people that we like and comment. Stories that we want other people to hold in their heads about who we are. The story that defines how other people come to treat us. We want to control that. This, Tara Isabella Burton says, is the mark of modern life. That for all of us, all of us are all in on the idea that it is all up to you as an individual to make yourself into the person that you want to be. Now, there's a lot of good that's come from this the shift in human thinking. The Renaissance art is beautiful. The Reformation led to us being here today. Democracy, our country was built on it. The end of chattel slavery, upward mobility for everyone, opportunity for everyone. The old way, where everyone was given an identity by the world around them, whether they liked it or not, that was oppressive. That was violent. That was evil. And good riddance to that kind of world. But the modern world, the modern way, it also has its downsides though they are a lot harder to see. The downside is this. When the responsibility of having to write your own story, the task of figuring out who you are supposed to be, and then trying to make yourself into who you are supposed to be, falls squarely on your shoulders and your shoulders alone, that turns out to be an enormous burden. It is exhausting. It is confusing. It is often disappointing and wrought with failure when you can't manage to be who you hope to be. It pits you in constant comparison to other people around you. People who otherwise would be your friend and ally. It is a recipe for resentments when others refuse to receive and believe the story that you are trying over and over again to tell them about yourself. And this leaves us consumed with anxiety and despair. This is the modern malaise. And so the old way was evil and oppressive good riddance the new way is eating us alive if only there was another way that brings me to lesson three there is another way in today's scriptures uh jesus has a question for his disciples what are people saying about me What are people saying about me? What is the story that people are attaching to me? What's the story all the people out there are telling about who I am? Jesus asks to his disciples. They're all real quiet at first until finally Peter, who is the most confident one, because he is Jesus' most uh, trusted confidant, has the courage to speak up. Peter says, well, you know, people are saying all kinds of things about you, Jesus. Uh, some, some people, most people say you are, you're, you're some kind of prophet. Uh, yeah, some, some confuse you with John the Baptist. Others think you are Elijah having returned from heaven. Some are even saying you're a new Jeremiah. Um, it's, it's all quite interesting. Jesus says, yeah, that, that is really interesting. All these things people are saying about me. Who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? Peter thinks for a moment and says something out loud that to this point has never been said before. It's never been said in the Gospels before and it is something that changes and turns the whole world upside down because we continue to say it to this very day. What Peter says is you are the Christ the Son of Of the living God? To which Jesus smiles and replies, blessed are you, Simon Peter. Solid as a rock you are, Simon Peter. On this confession, I shall build my church, and the gates of hell shall never prevail against it. Who do you say I am, Jesus says. You see, what Jesus is doing here, Jesus is intent on announcing a new kingdom, an alternate way of ordering the world and of having people find their identity within it. Jesus comes to show a different way of thinking about what it means to be human a different way of being a human, a different way of understanding what it means to be human and what a human being truly is. See, unlike the ancient way, the the alternate order of God says that our identity is not found in being Jewish or Greek, male or free male, slave or free. The remarkable thing about Jesus is that to him, all people of all walks of life have all kinds of dignity found in the fact that they belong to God. That everybody that Jesus meets receives a kind of welcome, and not a kind of welcome that's based on worth. And all people who were suffering in Jesus's sight receive a kind of mercy, not because they've done something to earn it, but because that is who Christ is. Then on the other hand, unlike the modern approach, the modern way, in the approach of Jesus, identity is not a thing that you have to make for yourself. It is not something that you have to make of your own life in order to find validity. Instead, Jesus proposes that we rest our identity not in who we've been, not in who we might be, not in who we currently are, but rather fully in who he is and who he is for us. It's not who are you. It's not who do you think you are. It's not who does the world say you are. It is not who do you want to be. It is not how do you want to be seen. What Jesus asks is, who do you say that I am? Who do you say I am? And this is the thing, to say you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, is not to say something, not just to say something about who he is, it is also to say something about who you are. Because if he is the Christ, the Son of the living God, then the way that Jesus saw people, the way Jesus treated people, was not just an example of how we ought to see people and how we ought to treat people, it's also an example of how God has treated you. How God, currently sees you and me and all people To, to put it another way the story we tell about who Jesus is reminds us of the story that God tells about you and me the story that God attaches to you and me which guides the way that God Comes face to face and knows and understands us. Regardless of who we are, regardless of what we make of ourselves, you are loved. That's the story. And if you can attach this story to yourself, That you are loved in Christ Jesus, you will find that you will not be able to help but attach the exact same story to every other person you meet. That's our story, that's our song, that's who we are. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we ask it. Amen.